Hey guys, this week's guest is Angela Johnson. If you don't know who she is, you're cray cray. She is an amazing stand-up comedian. She's been doing stand-up for a while. She has six specials. The one that I watched last night is called Not Fancy on Netflix. You can watch other specials on YouTube. Um, she's so funny. She's such a real person. I felt like I, I've obviously seen her and talked to her before, just behind the scenes of comedy. But um, to sit with her and talk about her life now, she's the same person as she is on stage. That's, she's just lovely. She's also an author. She's written a book uh, called Who Do I Think I Am? which is supposed to be very funny. I, I have to say I have not read it, but, but I hear it's a really good book. You should definitely check it out. She has a new special coming out, To Be Determined. Uh, she's in post on that now, so she'll let us know when that's uh, ready for you to take a watch. And she's pregnant. I didn't even know that. She showed up today. I had no idea she was pregnant. So I was planning on talking about all kinds of stuff. But when a woman sits down and says, I'm pregnant, you got to talk about that. So we talked about her pregnancy, about not wanting to have kids and then deciding to have kids and what her process was like with that. Some health issues that went along with getting pregnant, about how she thinks it's going to shift things in her marriage and her life and her career. Um, what a level-headed, wonderful, wonderful person. We talk about her life before she came to Hollywood, about strong women in her life. I mean, it was just a great conversation. So if you haven't already checked out Angela Johnson's stand-up, I highly recommend you do. Netflix for Not Fancy, YouTube for other stuff. Read her book, Who Do I Think I Am? And we will let you know when her next special is ready to view. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did with the lovely, talented, deep, spiritual, Amazing Angela Johnson. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. I'm okay. Good. Yeah. I'm in second trimester. Wait, you're pregnant? Yeah. I didn't know you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Is this your first baby? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I had no idea you were pregnant. Yeah. Oh, interview's going a whole different direction now. <laughs> oh my God. Well, there's never a direction yeah. for me. Oh, it's a conversation. It's whatever we talk about. We don't even have to talk that. about, you know, anything, but that you're pregnant. You're pregnant. Yeah. How exciting. Thank you. Was it, it easy? Is. Was it hard? Um are you scared? Hard. Yes. You hard are hard and yes. And no. All the things. All the things. Yeah. Like it was are we going? Should we? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> are you okay to talk about this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, you, if there's ever anything we talk about that you don't want, we'll just take it out. Okay, great. So don't I'm happy to tell I, I want you good. to be happy. So Yeah. So first baby, I'm 40. Uh-huh. We didn't want kids. Uh-huh. And 
we've been married for 12 years uh-huh. and we were like, we're good. No kids for us. Thanks. And then during COVID, when we were shut down and we were home and not on the road, not filming or anything like that. And I was able to like actually enjoy my home mm-hmm. and put furniture on my balcony that I never sat on. You know what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. not even home to enjoy the fruits of my labor, you know? Yeah. So I was home and I was just like enjoying my life and my home. And I had this feeling of like, I don't really want to go back to hustling like I was on the road. Uh-huh. Like, not that I don't want to be a stand up anymore, but I was like, I don't want to go hard like I was. Mm-hmm. Like, I like enjoying this, you know? And then I was like, I don't even know if I want to be an actress because my career was always my my baby, you mm-hmm. know? My dream, my career, I want to be an actress. I had these goals. And that was always my baby that I nurtured. And um, to me, I was like, if I ever have kids, that felt like a consolation prize to me. It was like, well, I guess I didn't get my dream over mm. here. So I guess I'll have kids. Like, that's how I thought about it. And then all of a sudden, I was in this place where I didn't have a desire to be an actress. I wasn't like, oh, when is there going to be auditions again? Like, I I finally was like, I don't even care if I'm an actor after this. And I never thought I would have that feeling. Mm. So now I'm at this place where the thing that I, I held most precious, that I was like, this is my baby. This is so fulfilling. This is my life. All of a sudden I was like, eh, it's not that fulfilling. And I was like, well, shoot, did I mess up? Should I have had kids? Because everybody who has kids always talks about how fulfilling life is. And and I didn't go that route because I had something that I thought was fulfilling enough for me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it felt very empty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, did I mess up? Mm-hmm. And I had never looked into it to see if I even had options to have kids. Because at this point I was like 38 maybe. And um, I was like, I don't even know if I have eggs. Like, I don't know anything. Like, I never looked into it other than my just yearly gynecology appointment. I was not trying to be like, hey, what's my. Yeah, because you wasn't in your you weren't going to do it. Exactly. So then I started looking into it. Mm -hmm. And that's when things really changed. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I did like blood work and, you know, calling doctors. I was like, hey, so what do I do? Like, I just want to check and see if I have options and maybe save my eggs, because at this point I'm not convinced that I want kids. I'm just like, is it even an option? Tell me yes or no. So I don't get my hopes up. Yeah, totally. So I do like all the tests and stuff and they're like, okay, all your levels are really low. Um, Your egg count is really low. So if you want to do something about it, you have to do it pretty quickly. Right. And I was like, oh, snaps. Okay. So then we started moving quicker into like, all right, I got to, you know, start saving my eggs. And at this point I'm already going back on the road and you know, I'm starting to tour again. And it was like such a journey, this IVF process Mm. to save my eggs. Mm -hmm. I had friends who have gone through it. And, you know, my one friend, she got 16 eggs, she got 14 eggs. And, um, I got two. Wow. Yeah. Two, two eggs. And so then things really started to change for me, the more it felt like this may not be an option for me. 
the more I wanted it. Mm -hmm. So then it switched from instead of just saving my eggs, now I think I actually want kids. Wow. And so that's when it switched for me. And it was like a whole journey of IVF, finding out I had fibroids that had to be removed. Like you're, there's no way you can get pregnant with where your fibroids are located and like how big they are. So then I had to go through a whole thing at surgery, get fibroids removed. Then I had endometriosis all over my body. Oh they my had to God. take my endometriosis so out. So painful. Honey, like I had so much going on that I did not realize wow. for all these years. And um, my surgery that I had, it was supposed to be like four hour, you know, this is a typical surgery. And I was in there for eight hours. Oh my God. It, they had, there was so much endometriosis and stuff inside that they had to scrape out. So my recovery was intense. Yeah. And I was going, I, I had my surgery like March, I don't know, 7th. And then my book launched March 15th. Oh my God. And then I went on my tour starting March 25th. It was oh my, my first God. day. It was unreal. Like, you know, watching your husband go on the road and how hard he works, uh -huh. but it's different being a woman and like having all of this internal trauma mm -hmm. that you're healing from. And then not only that, like you can't work out like you used to or whatever because your insides are healing. And so then my body starts changing because I'm on the road eating late night. My hormones are different mm -hmm. and I'm eating like club food at night and all the things. And then I start, you know, getting a little fluffier and then I start seeing all the comments like, oh, my God, is she pregnant? Like, oh, like all the things. And I was like, no, nah, just living my life, y'all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just being regular. Right. Just be regular <laughs> out here in these streets. Um, yeah. And so it's just like a whole journey. I was touring nonstop. We did like 80 cities Jeez. last year. My Jeez. book doing like, you know, book signings and and things like that. And it was it was an intense year. And all while I'm going through this process, I'm still getting, you know, feedback from my doctor's appointments about what I'm trying to do personally with mm -hmm. my having kids situation. And it's like, oh, not great. Like every time I get news back, it's like, oh, not what we were hoping for, Aww. but you know, and like all of that. And then when it came down to it, um, I started preparing for my hour special taping, mm -hmm. which was October 1st and it was in Nashville. And so I was like, I'm going to start working out again. I'm going to make healthy choices. No more late night eating. I started, I gave myself a, a time like after 8 PM, I'm not eating anything after 8 p Typically I'd come off stage and I'd be like, Oh my God, let's go eat. You yeah. know? I'm like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I said no alcohol for like the last month before my taping. And, and you look great on it. Thank you. you look, uh, like a million dollars. Thank you. Um, so I, I did all these healthy choices and was like preparing my body for my taping. And then I didn't realize it, but I was also preparing my body to get pregnant. <laughs> and then I ended up getting pregnant. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Wild. Crazy. What a year. What a year. Is I'm now like um, 18 weeks. So I'm like four months. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. You're lucky because there are a lot of women that have so much trouble, especially when you get closer to 40. Yeah. You're really kind of blessed and lucky that you totally. I mean, how much it 
changed your health probably mm-hmm. entirely with all this endometriosis and fibroids that were in your body. You had yeah. no idea it was there. That can't be good for you to have in right. your body anyway. Right. But wow, how brave of you to say, hey, hold on. This path that I've been working for forever, is it what I still want? Or, you know, you can still have that path, but maybe yeah. it's modified. You exactly. Know? That's amazing, Angela. Thank you. It's super strong. I feel like a lot of people through COVID did a reevaluation of their life in whatever way that looks like for you. I feel like a lot of people were like, do I want to live in this city that I've been living in for so long? Yeah. Do I really want this career that I've been in? Um, is my marriage what I thought it was? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there was a lot of reevaluating during COVID. And I feel like COVID was, uh, and when I say COVID, I'm going back to like 2020, like when it first happened and we yeah. were all like locked down. It was like a real shift because every system was shook. Mm-hmm. The medical field was shook. The entertainment industry, the sports industry, um, groceries, um, supply and demand, education, all the systems were shook. Yeah. And it was like a perfect time to reevaluate what am I doing? Because we're kind of in this position where you have to, in some situations, oh, we have to redo the way we grocery shop now. Oh, we have to redo the way we do school now. What else do we need to redo Mm -hmm. in our lives? Right. And so I feel like a lot of people took the time to do that and came out of that season with a lot of changes, whether it's they moved across the country, they quit their job, they got divorced, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, there was a lot of changes came out of that. And for me, it was deciding that I wanted to have kids. That's amazing. Kids are amazing. Thank you. It will enrich your life in ways you won't understand until you have them. Yeah. It's something you can't really understand, I don't think, until you have them. And it, hey, it's not for everybody. Right. I, I have some cousins who are never going to have kids, and I totally respect that decision. Yeah. It's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. And I've done a lot of really hard things. Mm-hmm. But um, probably not as hard as being a touring stand-up. But no, a lot I'm of sure. hard things <laughs> otherwise. And then, yes, yeah, the hardest thing you've ever done. It takes more brain, I think, than anything else. And then we lose our brain. Like I'm already in like pregnant mom, like lady brain. Yeah. And things are happening where I'm like, huh? What? (laughs) Like I reversed out of my (laughs) my driveway the other day and I hit the gate coming out. (laughs) And my husband was like, I don't understand. (laughs) You have cameras, not just a backup (laughs) camera. You have cameras on the side, on the front, on the back like a top aerial camera. You have a beeps at you. <laughs> you have rear view mirrors. I don't understand. Like, and, and I was like, I don't either. Just. <laughs> and get used to it. Yeah, this is the new normal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh my hysterical. gosh. Oh my goodness. Is he excited? He is. I feel like um, he's more like my husband goes into fix it mode. Uh-huh. And prepare like logically, logistically, all the things. He's very like, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're pregnant, emotions, spiritual, all the things. And he's like, okay, I got to refinance here. I got to sell this car over here. We got to move it. Like he starts going into that right mode. So I feel like he is excited and preparing, but in like 
in here. Right. And then I'm more in, in here. Right. Right now. But um, it's good to have both. It is. Yeah. It's a good balance. Oh. And I think also on the journey of deciding to have kids, I was always like a few steps ahead of him mm-hmm. because when you're told your body has a time clock mm-hmm. and you don't have much time, it's different. I went into, <gasps> okay, what do we do? And he was still like, I mean, what's the rush? Yeah. yeah. We we said we didn't want kids. So mm-hmm. why why y'all in a hurry now? Like yeah. what? And I'm I'm like, you don't understand. So it was a there was a disconnect in the beginning for sure. Mm-hmm. And um I feel like like if you can imagine we're driving on the freeway, me and my husband, and we're like going super fast, like chasing our dreams, hustling, grinding, going for it. And then all of a sudden I just took the exit. Right. And I got off and he was still like, wait, what? Where'd you go? We're having kids. Hold on. So it was a, like an adjustment for him where I was like, I want to get off. Yeah. And he's like, wait, hold on. Okay. I need to readjust. Let me GPS. Let me recalculate. Let yeah. me all the things. So I feel like he is excited, but he's definitely a few steps behind me in the wanting it, excited about it. He wants it, but he's like, okay. Yeah. All right. You know. Yeah. It's a big, big. It's a big change in your life, right? Uh, Especially when it happens when you're older. You were older than I was 33 when I had the first kid, which is not, you know, not 40. Sure. But I still wasn't right out of high school. Right. I'd had a life and I was on a trajectory too. And then you just have to go and pivot. Yeah. And it's a lot to swallow. It's a lot to adjust mm-hmm. to. Even if you're super excited and happy about it, it takes a minute yes. for everything to kind of recalibrate. Yeah. Um, and he's a touring musician. Is that right? Yeah. So he's not really touring anymore. He writes music now for, you know, um, commercials, movie trailers, okay. things like that. Yeah. So which is why we now split our time with Nashville. A lot of his writing sessions are in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we have community there. He's been touring out of there for a long time. And um, so it's, I mean, it's Music City. Mm-hmm. So most of his business for writing music is there. And um, he does a lot of like real estate investing now. And um, yeah, so music is still a thing, but he's not a touring Okay. Musician anymore. He's like, I can't do that anymore. He's right. like the early flights. I got to go boo boo. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> he's like, I don't go anywhere before 10 a.m. If I haven't gone boo boo yet. That's, yeah, right? That's just the way it works. As you get older, that's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, do you like Nashville? I do. You do? I do. It's um different, mm-hmm. you know. Being... Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, Bay Area. Oh, okay. I'm California girl. Yeah, Where are you guys from? I'm here, from right? Georgia. Oh, okay. Bert's but... from Tampa. We oh, did, we that's met right. out okay, here, okay, but, okay, but we're both her. from back back there. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm from the Bay Area. I've been in LA for 20 years. Mm. And Manny is uh he was born in Germany. He was an army baby. So yeah. he spent his childhood in Germany, but then bounced all around the US after that. Right. You know, army stuff. And um so yeah, we've been in California for a long time and now we're splitting in Nashville and it's just so different, like the Southern life uh-huh. and being a California girl. I'm a, I'm a nice, friendly girl, mm-hmm. but then I get to Nashville and I'm like, am I a bitch? Like, am I, <laughs> hold on, am I? Because like here in 
in LA, if I go into a store and they're like, can I help you find anything? I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I'm good. I got it. Unless I actually need help, then I'll tell them. But otherwise, I'm like, I'm good. Yep. And that's it. Yep. And that's just where it ends. Yep. And then I was at uh, TJ Maxx one day in Nashville. And, you know, I'm just like smelling candles, you know, doing my thing at TJ Maxx. So that's my store. And um, I can hear the ladies in the row next to me. And one of them was like, can I help you find anything? I'm all right, but thank you so much for asking. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's a beautiful day outside. <laughs> yes, it is. But they say it's going to rain about three o'clock. Make sure you get home for the traffic. It's going to be a mess. Bless your heart. <laughs> That's exactly right. And yes. I was like, oh, my God. They're having a full conversation. They're friends now. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> I don't even have energy. Like, I, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have energy for the south i don't know how to do it out here um but like little things like that so different yeah. and so like i gotta switch my game up and but one thing i do love is like everybody becomes like a like if they're older than you like an auntie or a grandma or somebody it's very like you know sweetheart dark. like i'm i'm a fan of that i'm like oh my god thank you i feel so loved yeah. and cared for unless they're like my same age calling yeah. me sweetheart then i'm like oh, are you trying to fight me are you <laughs> are you trying to come for me <laughs> you know what i mean like, now you gotta be older if you're gonna call me sweetheart i'm gonna need you to have you know way more grays than i have That's because hysterical. if we look the same and you call me sweetheart i take that as a threat you try and fight That's how what funny it. That's hysterical. <laughs> Yeah, that's very, very much the South. I love that part of the South. I do that here. When I go to Target, I talk. My kids are like, oh, my God. Uh -huh. Can we just leave already? And I'm like, well, I mean, you got to be nice to people. Yeah. He's stocking cereal in the cereal aisle. What am I just going to walk by him like he right. doesn't exist? Yeah. I always say, hey, how's your day? And always. that drives him crazy. I, but I am not that person. I remember one time I got somebody left a comment on my social media like they were talking to each other, but about me. And it, I was like tagged in it somehow. So I saw it. And one of them was like, oh, she is not nice. I saw her at Target one day and she did not look friendly. What? And they didn't have any interaction with me. They just said I didn't look friendly. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm at Target minding my business. Like what? <laughs> I'm not gonna walk around just smiling at everybody, right? but that's kind of a thing. Like in the South, everybody, you know, is that smiles, way? Yeah. Where I'm just like, I'm reading my toothpaste. Like what kind of toothpaste do I want? And then let me get out of here and I might give you, Oh, hello. And keep going. Yeah. But it was like, Oh, she did not look friendly. I'm like, funny. I mean, it's just different sure. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. Different culture. I know people come out here from when my family comes to visit and finds it very kind of cold and rude where I think we just got stuff to do. Yeah. It's not rude. We're just busy. Yeah. Just, yeah. We're on our way to yeah. or from something uh -huh. at all times. Uh -huh. And the South isn't really like that. They move at a different pace. Different. You know? And I've also noticed, too, it's different with my friends. Because I have, I have friends in Nashville, a lot of friends. And I have friends here. But I notice when I'm here in L.A., even my friends that have kids, it's very low-key, easy. Like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're just, you know having dinner with the kids i'm gonna put them down and i'll be like okay i'm gonna stop by real quick okay come through and and it's easy and then you just come and they put the kids down and i'm watching tv because we're casual because we're good friends like that and then when i'm in nashville my equally good friends like that i'll be like hey what are you doing 
I'm gonna come by and say hi. Oh, maybe after we feed, like it's like a schedule. Uh-huh. And it's it's harder to connect mm-hmm. with people in Nashville because they got their schedule, they got mm-hmm. their meeting, they got nap time, they got all the things, yeah. and they're like, um, yeah, let's connect. What's your Thursday like? Uh-huh. I'm like, Thursday, I'm free right now <laughs> for like I'm a good now. 45 minutes. Let me just stop by. <laughs> but it's so different funny. over there. They're like, ooh, okay. Okay, sure. But forget it. I don't want to do <laughs> Right? You're very, that's absolutely right. I hadn't thought about that. But one of the, one of the things I had to get used to being married to Bert is he is much more California, even though he was not born here, uh-huh. than he is Florida or Georgia. Wow. And so he's not a schedule. You just got to kind of yeah. go with it. And I was born and raised in Georgia. Everything's a schedule. Mm-hmm. Even when we started having kids, you know, I was like, all right. I need, this is when we wake up relatively around uh-huh. here. Then we have breakfast. Then we do this. Then we do this. Then we have nap. Yeah. Then we have lunch. Then we do this. And I had a schedule yeah. and it would drive Bert crazy because oh he's God. not a schedule guy. Yeah. But I was like, but if I don't have a schedule, when mm-hmm. do I get my shit? Right. Like I need to know when my stuff can happen. That makes sense. So if they're not on a the schedule, then I'm on their schedule and I'm not going to be on their schedule. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on my schedule. Right. So here's how the schedule works. And that was one of the biggest things because if he ever had to take over for me, I'd uh-huh. be like, the schedule's totally fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get home, you're like, forget it. I got to start from scratch. Exactly. I'm oh like, so how I was raised, you know, it's very cultural, I think. Everybody That's, in the South's like I'm that. concerned about that with kids, mm-hmm. you know, the schedule and everything. Because I have I have a lot of my friends have kids and a lot of my friends have kids that are already, you know, Older, like I have some friends that are, you know, they got toddlers and then I have some friends that they're like 10 and 12. And then I have friends that full on, they started in high school. So their yeah. kids are grown already. Totally. So my, I have a couple of friends, they have kids around the same age. And one of them did like very scheduled. We go to, we eat dinner at 5 PM bath time. They go to bed. Mm-hmm. And if you invite us out somewhere and it's during that time, we're probably not going to come. Right. Then I have some other friends. They just brought their kid everywhere. Right. So it was like, oh, we're doing, you know, game night at the house, whatever. And they'd be like, okay, we'll come. We'll just put our our son down in the room. Like, okay, yeah, fine. And so they were more like, he's becoming a part of our life. Yeah. And we're still going to live our life and do our thing. Mm -hmm. So I always admired that, that they still kept their life going. Mm -hmm. Then at the same time, these kids were so well behaved mm-hmm. and this kid was wild. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can see that structure really does help mm-hmm. with a child's behavior. Mm-hmm. But also I don't want to lose my life. Mm-hmm. So it's like that balance of like, how do you do that? It is a big balance because your observations and have been my observations as well. They're kind of the same. Like I was super uh, scheduled and when they were, until they were a certain age, when they got to be a certain age, I was like, Oh, we'll bring them and they fall asleep and we'll take them home. Mm -hmm. But until they got to be a certain age, I felt like, um, the consistency of sleeping and eating mm. for small kids, like even up to the, I sound defeated by this, but even up till they're like school age, like Mm -hmm. four or five, I felt like, what I was observing mm-hmm. is that if my kid went to bed an hour late, 
it took two days for that kid wow. to recover. Wow. So is the dinner that night worth two yeah. days of recovery for this kid? Yeah. For this kid to be miserable for two days for right. me to go out to dinner? Well, then I, what I did was I made sure I had sitters that I could yeah. go do yeah. and then come back. And that it was a win-win. Mm -hmm. I had some of my life. They got their consistency mm -hmm. because that recovery time, most of the time I was dealing with by myself. Bert's right. home two days a week. Uh -huh. And if we go out to dinner, one of those two days a week, I'm the only person dealing with the melting down kid yep. because he's gone. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. when we were first together and we first had kids, I still worked. Wow. And I, I worked from home okay. without a nanny. No way. I just worked with a kid on the hip. Yeah. We made it, I managed an apartment building and then my job expanded to where I had three apartment buildings and I got a nanny only for the time when I was physically at work. Mm. My kids were a little older by then. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was like, I don't, I can't deal with this melting down mm -hmm. insanity that mm -hmm. happens because we took the kid to dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was just my life. Yeah. And, no, I get it. But I see in my observation when a kid has a schedule, they relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sen sense of security, I think. I think they know what to expect. There's nothing yeah. unexpected. Yeah. And it builds some kind of trust yeah. of, of your parents or of the world, maybe yeah. even, that this is how life works. So when things don't work out, they they can recover. What I've observed with other people's friends who kids don't have a schedule is that they seem to, as they get older, have a harder time recovering from mm -hmm. things. And they have a harder time... Um, like self-soothing and managing stuff, mm -hmm. you know, where I go, my kids are pretty resilient. Maybe it's about the schedule. Maybe it's just who they were. Yeah. But I see people who have kids who had that kind of more loosey goosey life and they don't manage them. So they don't have patience. They don't, they don't have a way of going. Yeah. I don't get that now. Yeah. Or, you know, just because I want it doesn't mean I have it. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you about Isla Kreischer and bedtime. Tell me. It sucked. <laughs> She was Why? horrible. Why? Uh, she didn't want to go to bed. Mm. But bedtime seven thirty, and I'd put her in the bed, and she just what age is this? Eighteen months. Okay. She crawled out of her crib at eighteen months. Okay. She started walking at nine and a half months. Wow. So Georgia walked at fourteen months. I was nine and a half months. I was climbing. I, was, I got places to go. I mean, Listen, she's woman. busy. <laughs> she was like having the Tasmanian devil. I swear to God. Oh, God. Um, but she would just come back out in the living room like, hey, hey. Oh let's get up let's yeah. get down and yeah. they'd be like nope 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 bedtime hey 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 for hours wow and you know some people i think would have said well this is her rhythm let's just let her stay up till she goes to bed okay but i was like no no bedtime is 7 30 okay. and she just needs to learn that mm -hmm. because she life has rules mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some rules are you don't you just don't worry about yeah but some rules you have to follow so, did she ever get with it or was that? Yes, just, she did. Okay. Oh yeah. It just took, a, it took a while. Uh-huh. It took like six weeks. See, that's the thing that I think about too. And people have asked me like, okay, are you going to tour with, with yeah. the baby? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. Am I breastfeeding? Am I not breastfeeding? And then the whole thing about being on a schedule, mm -hmm. like if I did bring a baby on the road, they wouldn't be at the club with me or at the venue, but they would be at like the hotel with like a nanny or somebody. And 
you know, if I'm breastfeeding, I have that. And then what's that going to look like for me? Is the baby still getting up throughout the night? And then I have to be rest. Like I get home late from the show. And then what if I'm not rested Mm -hmm. to go for the next night of shows? I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. And then there's the whole schedule thing. Is that bringing the baby on the road? Is that going to throw it off its schedule? Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to have recovery for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And by the time they're back on, I'm leaving again. Yeah. So I don't know. There's going to be a lot of figuring out that I have to do. And it's going to come like trial and error. Totally. That's all you can do. And you know, at the same time, I think it's pretty freaking hard to screw up a baby when you have the best intentions Mm. and you're paying attention. Yeah. You know, if you pay attention to them, they'll tell you what they need. Yeah. They may not be able to say it. Yeah. But you can see it in their behavior. You you learn what a cry, what this cry means versus Mm -hmm. that cry. You figure it out really quick and then you can pivot. And because of who you are, Angela, as a person. Yeah. You would never go, well, sucks for you. We're on the road. Right, 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 <laughs> you right. You would go, okay, we got to figure this out. Yeah. How can I make this work for everybody? You That's know? so interesting where you're saying, like, you learn their cry yeah. and stuff. It's almost like I see parents and they have toddlers who are, like, starting to talk. And they said something, like, super just gibberish sounds. And they're like, oh, she wants you to uh-huh. um, throw that ball with her. And I'm like. that's what you heard you heard that (laughs) yeah and they know it they're like yeah and then you throw the ball with them and they're like oh yay and i'm like oh (laughs) how did you hear that (laughs) it's crazy isn't it how that works i even was so funny as all my friends not all my friends but almost all my friends we all have kids around the same age they're teenagers and then my sister-in-law has a five year five and a half year old and a two and a half year old and when we're around them, when they were little, when they were like you're talking mm-hmm. about, all of us understood what they were saying. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, she's crying because she's hungry. Yeah. You know, and the mom may not even have known it yet when she mm. was, when Cotty just had Teddy and he was really little and I was with her, I'd go, oh, he's hungry. Oh, he's getting a tooth. She's like, how do you know that? Yeah. Well, I've had two kids. Yeah. That's what they sound like. He's uncomfortable. Wow. As opposed to, um, hey, I'm anxious. I'm hungry. Yeah. As opposed to I'm tired. They sound totally different, Wow! but you learn it pretty quick and then you can just do what they need. It's really weird. I think women, not, not to be like pro women too much because I am a woman, I am pro women, but it's amazing what women hear where their kids are concerned, Mm. you know, Bert's great dad, Mm -hmm. but there's some of those subtleties that. I just don't think that men may be wired to hear. Right. I mean, our biologies are completely different. Mm-hmm. Our hormones are different. Everything yeah. about that's different. I don't mean that as one's less than the other. Sure. I just it's mean different. that it's a different wiring. And yeah. women just kind of go ABC and a, and a guy would go, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say so. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that also goes into like... um uh, our instincts and, um, like trusting, Oh God, there was a book. I didn't even read it, so I shouldn't even mention it, but I know mm-hmm. Whitney Cummings gave me a copy of it. Um, but it's like there, I remember this one story from it, like women, if you go into an elevator and then a guy comes in and you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and there's your instinct something within you is telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. This is not a great situation. And they're like, listen to that. Get out of the elevator. Yeah. Don't worry about looking rude. Yeah. 
get out of the elevator. Yeah. But so many times, you know, we'll talk or say, oh, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to think like oh, I'm getting out because of him, but you are getting out because of him, like whatever it was in that situation. But there is like a certain intuition, an instinct, a feeling that I feel like how I said my husband uses his brain and logic and he'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, well, give me, show me the math. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, great, let's do that. But a lot of times I'm like, I don't have math for you. I just have this feeling yeah. that this is not great. Yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. I need numbers. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> like when we would, we were looking for a home, he would be like doing that. Okay. The value of this. And right now I'm doing all the math of it. And then I would walk in and I'd be like, Hmm, no, that doesn't feel good in here. <laughs> I don't like, why is the door and the, no, it's so dark in here. Yeah, like right? all the things. And he's like, I don't get it. But the numbers, but the numbers. Exactly. So he's like, what do you mean? Because you don't feel. So we're going just based on feelings now. And I'm like, no, it's not just feelings. We use both. We use your math and my feelings. And if they don't match up, this ain't it. Yeah. So I feel like as women, sometimes we are wired intuitively and not that men aren't, but um, there is some sort of like intuition feeling that guides us more so than black and white facts numbers. Yeah, totally. And I feel like men can lean towards that way, a more logical way. Yeah, totally. What are you most worried about in being a parent? Keeping a child alive. <laughs> You'd be fine with that. <laughs> um, honestly, I guess the unknown. Mm. Because it's all unknown. Mm. It's all new. It, everybody's like, your life is going to change. And even I am like, I'll sit sometimes and it'll like hit me. Like our life is completely going to change. It's going to be different. Totally. I don't know what that looks like mm-hmm. or feels like, but I know it's going to be different. And that's kind of scary because mm-hmm. I've only known this life. Mm-hmm. So now I'm moving into a whole different way of doing life. Right. And, um, As scary as that is, in the next breath, I'm like, but I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. I've been living this life for so long. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for a little shakeup, a little shift, a little, you know, and I would always say like, I don't want kids because I like my life. And what if they mess it up? You know, which is valid. Like, what if they mess it up? But odds are they're going to make it that much more better and fulfilling and exciting and enriched and all, all of those things that all my mom friends and parent friends have told me for so long. Um, but it's the unknown Mm -hmm. that can be scary. Yeah. There's a lot of unknown that happens, you know, with having kids, just, just your learning curve of how to be a parent is so steep, Mm -hmm. um, that in and of itself. But you know what? If I had any advice for you about that, um, I would say the shift of uh, who needs what can be really challenging, I think, for couples of who Mm. needs more and who needs what. Um, You're talking about in marriage. In marriage, yeah. In your marriage, uh, the baby needs so much. And Mm -hmm. the mom usually, not always, but usually is the one that does a lot of heavy lifting, especially if you're breastfeeding, Mm -hmm, you know, or something. mm You have a lot going on there. And I think I know in my marriage, sure. my husband 
felt a little neglected uh-huh. when the baby came along because uh-huh. baby needs a lot yeah. and baby Bert needed a lot. Yeah. And uh, there's a little bit. <laughs> so I kind of, we kind of say like, I think Chris Rock has a joke about this where he says, you know, a marriage is like being in a band and sometimes you're the lead singer and sometimes you play tambourine mm. and you have mm-hmm. to know that the tambourine player mm-hmm. is just as important as the lead singer. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Next week you may be the lead singer. And mm-hmm. he may be the tambourine mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. So as long as you can float between those two yeah. and then recognize when the tambourine player mm. is struggling with having to be the tambourine player, mm-hmm. then you have compassion for that. Well, I, it sucks to be the tambourine player. I yeah. know what that feels like. Yeah. And you, you, I, I think you have to really try really hard not to take anything personally and know it's a shift for everybody in the family. Yeah. It's a shift for everybody. Um, you know, Bert loved having all of my focus and attention. Mm-hmm. And it's not possible when a baby comes in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he That's tantrumed. Hard. That's hard. And my perspective could have been one of two things. Grow up. Yeah. Why are you tantruming? Yeah. This is ridiculous. I'm exhausted. I have a baby that's on my boob every two mm-hmm. hours. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or I chose to take this perspective of this is a shift for everybody, mm. including me, mm-hmm. but even for him. Yeah. So it can't be all about me and it can't be all about him. Yeah. But it is about him. It is yeah. about him, too. I yeah. think some women, not implying at all that you would do this, but I think some women make the mistake of not realizing what a shift it is for for him. That's a really good point. And I feel like it's something that I need to be aware of because as much as my husband's very, we're both very independent Mm -hmm. of each other. And his thing is like, he'll ask me, do you have plans today? You got meetings and stuff like that. And if I do, then he's like, cool, then I'm going to go to the movies or I'm going to go do my thing. Mm -hmm. But he'll always check in with me first Mm -hmm. and be like, do you have time today? Are we hanging out? Like, what are we doing? So there would be times where I would come home from the road and he's like, let's go do a date night. Let's go to dinner. And I would be like, the audacity (laughs) you have. I just got home from doing X amount of shows, early morning radio, meet and greets. I'm exhausted. And you want me to put makeup on? And yeah. heels? Yeah. And go to dinner? <laughs> what an asshole. How dare you? <laughs> you know? And it, he was so um, gracious with me, but he was also very like, hey. Mm-hmm. Don't well, forget me. Don't forget me, uh-huh. you know? And so I feel like when this baby comes, I will have a legitimate reason in the same way with touring. I had a legitimate reason Mm -hmm. to be exhausted and to say no, Mm -hmm. but it's being aware of when you need to say yes and put yourself aside so that you can be there Mm -hmm. for your partner. And um, that's really good advice that I need to keep in mind for when it all becomes like about the baby and I'm feeding and we're changing and I'm exhausted and we should do a date night, but, oh, I would love to just sleep. And how about we just cuddle on the couch and watch a a show Mm -hmm. like, which is still connecting time. But at the same time, it is good to get out and 
don't lose yourself, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm going to have to be aware of those moments and make those decisions. Even when I'm exhausted, get up and go in, in certain moments. And then I just saw this video. My sister sent it to me last night, actually. And, um, it was talking about, uh, you know, when marriages or any relationship ends, a lot of times it's not because you stopped loving that person. There's always a lot of love there. It's usually there's a loss of connection. Mm. And when you lose connection, that usually comes from the small rejections Mm -hmm. that happen throughout the day that you don't realize. That's so true. And it's the rejection of while you're telling me a story and I'm looking at my phone, Mm -hmm. that is a rejection. Mm -hmm. It's the rejection of, I want to tell you about my day and then you cut me off and tell me about your day. Mm -hmm. That's a rejection. Like all these small rejections add up. Mm -hmm. And so I sent the video to my husband and I was like, let's be aware. Let's not lose our connection. Like that's another thing that is a fear. I'm like, I don't want to lose my connection with my husband. And I'm very like, um, how do I say before we had a dog, I've had a dog for four years now. Um, I would babysit my friend's dog. And I remember there was one time where, um, Manny came home from something and I had the dog there and I was coming to like greet him from getting home. And he greeted the dog first because the dog was right there. And he was like, oh, hey, Smokey, whatever. And I remember being like, uh, uh, <laughs> this dog is in my way. Like it's coming between us. Back off, bitch. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, if we get our own dog, this dog is going to get in the way. And of course, oh my God, I love my dog so much. Um, But it was like, I had this like jealousy of my time with my husband Mm -hmm. and my connection with him. And then the other day I was on FaceTime with my husband. He's in Nashville right now and I'm here and, you know, um, he's like preparing our home in Nashville because we, we bought a new home in Nashville. So we're moving. God bless him. He packed up our old house, moved it. He's unpacking, doing all this by himself while I'm here in LA and I'm touring and, you know, working, he's doing all of this. And so I was on FaceTime with him and I'll do this thing where I just stare at my husband's face. Like, I don't know if you do that. Like I just, I'll just like stare at him while he's talking and I'm like looking at his beard and I'm looking at like all of his features and I'm just like staring. Yeah. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, this baby is going to get in the way. Kind of like the same feeling I had with the dog. Uh Where I was like, and I told him, I was like, babe, we need to spend as much time together as we can before this baby comes. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you're there working hard, but I need you to like come back and just like be with me wherever I am because we need to spend as much time as possible together before this baby comes. Because of course, like when my dog came, I don't even, I'm just like, oh my God, my dog. And like my husband actually feels the effect more because the dog is like my baby. But I feel like there's going to be that the baby's going to get in the way, but like in the best way possible, but still there's going to be something between us that we now have to be more intentional yes. about connection yeah, and allowing myself time to stare at his face. Yes. That's right. It's the intention. Yeah. You just have to be more intentional and you have to pay attention Mm. to what is going on for you. When you have a baby, everything goes sideways in your body for a little bit, right? Like I had some postpartum 
that doesn't I didn't think look like postpartum. It looked like aggression. What did it tell? So I've I know a lot of my friends and family that I've had postpartum, and I hear more about it. Like, yeah, you know, I had postpartum. What? And it probably looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you say it looked like aggression? Like, what did it look like for you? And like, how did you know? Like, oh, this is postpartum. Something's different. Something like. It was, it was aggressive aggression. Like, like you were I, angry. I was really angry mm. and I am not an angry person. Mm-hmm. I'm a super happy person. Mm-hmm. And when Isla came, I don't remember having it so much with Georgia and I don't know why. Um, I'm, I'm sure I, I know from the research I've done that almost all women have some form of, of postpartum, mm-hmm. even if it's just a, you know, a day or two or three mm. where everything kind of all your hormones are just your everything's readjusting. Yeah. So, you know, it takes a minute to calibrate everything. And but with Isla, anything she did, my whole body would like get on fire. I'd like heat up mm-hmm. like. Ugh, ugh. And then one day. I got so angry at her. I put her in her crib and I went in the bathroom and I picked the lid up off the toilet and broke it on the toilet seat. And and when I did that, I went, something's wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. Like, this is not how I am. I didn't do anything to my kids. Right. I I had the wherewithal or whatever Uh to go into the bathroom and close the door Uh and break the toilet. And I was like, all right, mama needs to go see somebody. Yeah. (laughs) This is not good. So I went to my doctor and she was like, oh, yeah, this is just postpartum. So she actually just put, do? She just put me on birth control and it regulated it. She put me back. Oh, because it helped your hormones. hormones. It was hormonal. <gasps> oh so I know people who have had trouble getting out of bed. I know people who feel constantly like everything they do with their baby is wrong to mm. the point where they're like in tears. Mm. I, I don't know how to do anything mm. with my baby. It causes a great deal of anxiety for mm. some women. Some women have been t- felt like I can't connect with this baby. I, mm. I don't know how to connect. I don't feel love for this baby and I should. Yeah. Um, so postpartum just has many different faces yeah. and phases, you know, it can last for a minute. It can Shoot. last for a long time, but it's something if that I think every woman should not be afraid in any capacity to say to their obstetrician, I'm concerned. And how do I know when to ask for help? Right. How, what do I need to be looking for? Because you have to be somewhat self-aware. Mm-hmm. I was self-aware enough to go, something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. This is not cool. Uh, it's hard, to, though, to get out of that kind of, it's an emotional state, you know? We don't think logically in emotional states. Yeah. We emote and react in emotional states. So to just know that it's coming mm-hmm. and not to be afraid of it. Mm. I think everyone's scared of like, you know, catching postpartum, Mm. but it's not about, it's just going to happen. It happens Mm -hmm. to almost every woman. So if you're expecting it and you know that this is part of your body recalibrating itself, you can help yourself Mm. by going to the doctor and saying, Hey, I'm having these problems. And even if, I mean, my birth control, I stayed on for a long time because I continued to have sex and didn't want to have any more kids. Uh-huh. But I know my sister-in-law has postpartum, had postpartum after her second kid and went on medication and then went off of it when her body regulated itself. Okay. So no, nothing to be ashamed of in that. It's yeah. Why suffer through? I was suffering yeah. with feeling aggressive every day for what? Yeah. Who did I, who did I better 
by not going to my doctor and saying, I think something's out of whack. That is so interesting to think because I've actually never asked the question, like, what does postpartum depression look like? Um, Because you hear postpartum depression. So you think, oh, that just means depressed. You're sad. You're just going to be sad. Mm. It's almost like how the word, like the term morning sickness, big fat lie. It's all day sickness. Oh, it's all fucking day long. Yeah. It's horrible. So I almost feel like postpartum depression is really just postpartum emotion. Like pick which one. It could be any of these. You could be angry. You could be sad. You can be uh, frustrated anxiety. Like even just hearing that I'm pretty self-aware. Um, sounds and I, like you I are. know when I have anxiety, mm. I know when I'm, my breathing changes and I'm like, Oh, I was just holding my breath. Uh-huh. What's going on. Is there a lot going on in my brain? Mm-hmm. Am I stressed about something? Um, so I'm, I'm pretty in tune with my body, but a lot of times where I don't catch it is like, the angry and snappy uh-huh. until my husband is like, uh, Hey, hey uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's all this? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, well I'm in a mood. So back up. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, we don't, we don't do disrespect. I'm going to need you to watch your tone. I'd be like, well, I'm going to need you to be gracious because I am pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need you to watch your tone. How about that? (laughs) You and your tone can go down the street. Yeah. Well, I, that's, I never thought aggression or anger was part of postpartum depression because of exactly what you explained. Postpartum depression. I wasn't depressed. I was putting one foot in front of the other every day. Mm -hmm. I was still holding my job. I was still parenting another child. I was still functioning and I was furious. Mm. And I just was like, should I not have had a second kid? Mm. Like, that's what my brain is. This was this too much for me. Mm. Am I resentful now that I have another kid? What's happening? And until Mm. I broke the toilet, I went, okay, this is something else. Yeah. This is a chemical problem. Yeah. I'm having a real problem here. And I was already in therapy. Was so. Bert um, gracious for that or attentive? Did he see it? Was he like, was, was he gone? Yeah, he was gone. Uh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. He was just gone. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I think he probably did have a lot of those moments of like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm fine. Snap yeah. his head off, mm-hmm. sort of. And he he's okay, okay, okay. And probably attributing it to like, well, because I'm gone. Yeah, and there's a lot going on. And she's got a new baby and a mm-hmm. two-year-old. And there's a lot. And she's still working. And, you know, you could write those things off to a lot of things. Except right. the fact that you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, where you go, duh. My whole body just kind of vomited itself out. And is now trying to put itself back together. It kind of makes sense that I'd be a little out of whack. Women, we are magical. It's insane what your body does, isn't it? Whoa. It's insane. And and that your body, when you have a baby, produces a hormone that makes you forget what was hard about having a baby so that your body will do it again. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's that's not even it. That's true. Your body, like, releases some hormone that... I don't know what the hormone is that makes you go, yeah, that was no big deal. That was nothing. Wow. Everything just exploded. And we just sewed it all back together, but you're fine. <laughs> wow. I said, if what happened to Bert happened to me, mm. we would have half, not even half the population. There's no way. Every mm-hmm. man would have one child and be, I'm not yeah, ever yeah. doing that again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah. 
It's that hormone that releases that lets us go, oh, yeah, we can do that like 12 times. No problem. Wow. You know? The, the the female body is insane. It really is. Um, I don't know. It should be it should be worshipped in a certain way mm-hmm. because of what it just does. Mm-hmm. I mean that your belly's going to get huge and then go back down. I know he's crazy. I I'll send Manny like videos that I see, like I'm on TikTok and Instagram and learning all this like baby stuff stuff about my body stuff like changes that I'm going to go through, and anytime I see videos of like uh postpartum hair loss uh-huh and like nobody uh, talks about that do they right and then like a friend of mine she was posting hers like she has a whole bald patch right here and she's like i spray it with this like brown color spray and then you know i comb my baby hairs and try to make it look you know a certain way and i'll like send it to him and i'll be like get ready <laughs> help me okay someone help me i know it's so true there's so much stuff like that i think that we just don't know about it i had this thing okay this is really gross angela i know i don't know you very well but this is really gross tell me but i told one friend of mine after i had georgia this happened to me and i and i had a friend who was pregnant and i was like i'm gonna need you to know this because i really wish someone had told me yeah tell me okay sometimes this is so gross Sometimes the female body emits an odor that smells like rotting meat. Yes. You've heard this too? Yes. My friend, the same friend was talking about it. Oh, I had it. Oh, let me tell you, it's traumatizing. It's probably the most traumatic thing that happened to me post delivery. How long did it last? Like, like where is six it coming weeks, from? Is it just your vagina? Your whole body? Okay. Your vagina. And it's like six weeks long. And it's because it's healing? I or? have no idea. It didn't happen for six Isla. Weeks. It happened only with Georgia. And I literally was like, mister, I don't even know if I can sleep in the same room with you. Because I smell myself and there's no way that you don't smell me. And there's nothing I could do. Nothing wow. I could do for it. I tried everything you could was it think of. from after delivery for six weeks or it came later? In it life? came later. <gasps> it came later where I was like, what is that? No. Is something wrong with me? Like I went for a checkup and was like, so yeah, this odor. And they were like, it's totally normal. It's just going to rebalance itself. Nothing you can do. And I told my friend about it and she had it too. And she was like, no one told me about this. If you hadn't told me this, I would have thought I was dying. I'm calling all my mom friends after this and asking if that happened. It was horrible. It was the least sexy thing and we're already dealing with so much like trying to be like get our body back or whatever and then you have to deal with a smell oh my it, god it, was, it smelled exactly like you know when hamburgers just gone bad it smelled oh, like that yes it's horrible so i hope this doesn't happen I for you so too. but if it does know that it goes away and know that there's really nothing you can do about it oh my god so my friend was talking about like just a body odor that happens yes. and she's like no deodorant works, not any kind of anything. I just constantly smell like BO (laughs) all the time. Like nothing works. And she's like, and then my son came to me and like, he's a toddler. She has a toddler and a newborn. And the toddler was like, mommy, like you smell like, (laughs) like he was like even telling her and, and she's like, nothing is working. Nobody told me like, 
postpartum, you have this like odor and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Some things change forever. Like I never was a sweater before I had babies and I was sweater after my hair stick straight before I had babies. It's gotten constantly more and more wavy as I've gotten older and it started with my first baby. Wow. I've never, I have no idea, but I've heard that from other women too, that your hair changes texture or it changes like from straight to curly or curly to straight. (gasps) Stop. Yeah. But so, I mean, your hormones affect, we have no idea what all our hormones affect. Clearly all this is hormonally related because that's what's happened is this upheaval of hormones. But yeah, I've never sweat. I used to work out like crazy and like nothing. And now I'm like, like am I working in an iron factory here what's happening I'm just pouring sweat and it started after I had babies it's really a bummer too because a lot of those changes that happen post having a baby Mm. are not super sexy flattering Mm -hmm. female feminine beautiful Mm -hmm. they're all kind of like now I'm like working in an iron factory Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. where you're like I don't really didn't know that I was okay yeah guess this is my new bag (laughs) and here you go honey you fell in love with this hot sexy mama and now here's this mama who's sweating all the time stinky Stinky. i had straight hair now it's curly i mean do you even know who who i am (laughs) i know good thing i got a good personality because yes right (laughs) i hope you fell in love with me for my personality babe because that's the only thing that i'm keeping (laughs) (laughs) not really it doesn't happen i don't think all those things happen for every woman but that does happen for some people yeah we don't talk about that stuff enough as women oh man you know a lot to learn well you're gonna be a great mom thank you manny's excited he is yeah he is i think once the baby comes that's what even my doctor was telling me like when i our first like ultrasound appointments she was like listen um, don't expect your husband to feel what you feel. He may even forget that you're pregnant mm. because he's not going through what you're going through. Right. He's still living his life. And so he may forget. He may not have that connection. He doesn't feel the nausea. He doesn't watch the belly grow. He doesn't see the boobs. He doesn't feel how tender they are when you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and you have to like hold them because they hurt. She's like, he's not going to feel any of that. So he's just living his life. Yeah. So I, I keep that in mind as I'm like going through this journey of he doesn't get to experience what I get to experience. But I think once the baby is like big enough in my belly to where you can like see and feel it kick from, you know, the outside that might change mm-hmm. for him once the baby actually comes and it's like, here's a real human before you were an idea, mm-hmm. you were like an imagination. Like, I wonder what you're like in there. Mm-hmm. I want, you know what I mean? And now you're like right here and I'm looking at your nose and I'm looking at your fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think when all of that happens, I think it'll really click for yeah. him. Also, I've heard like, again, this is just things, some who knows what's true and what's not, but some people are like, um, you're, if you have a daughter first, it'll come out looking like the dad. Mm-hmm. And if you have a son, it'll come out like the mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, whatever we have, I hope it looks like my husband because he is like so handsome, has like all the features and not that I'm like chopped liver, 
but he's just has this like perfect face that I'm like oh my gosh I hope our kids look like you please God um either one would be pretty awesome well thank yeah, you either one thank you and then I'll see some other kids that look like their dad I'm like oh I wish you looked like your mom <laughs> Georgia looks just like her dad as soon as she was born I was like oh my god is Bert but girl yeah <laughs> And that was your first, right? First one, yeah. That's what people say. Yeah. Like the first one, if it's a girl, she's going to look like her dad. She's a spitting image, man. You may not see it, but you see it, right? Yeah. They look, he, she looks just like him. She always has. From the minute she was born, I was like, were my genetics involved in this at all? Yeah. Because I don't even see like a toe. Give me a toe. Yeah. Something. But the, an earlobe, anything. There's nothing on her physical body that is mine. That's not what they say. Man. They like you... You spend all these months building this baby and then they come out and turn their back on you and just look totally like their dad. That was my experience. The second one came out and I went, oh, that's mine. Okay, yeah. thank you. Oh, I got this one, one. This one looks like me. Okay, mullet and all. She was born with a full mullet. And you know, I'm from really redneck roots. And I was like, that was mine. Brown eyes, mullet, check. So in your life, when I don't know much about your life growing up, did you have great, Women, moms, parents, yes. you feel like you have a lot to draw from as a mom? I have very strong women in my family that I That's got not to surprising. watch and learn. And my mom and dad got divorced when I was eight. And my mom was a single mom raising four kids on a hairstylist budget, which wow. is not a lot. No. And it's not regular. It's not consistent. Um, but we had my grandma aunts, uncles, cousins, it really does take a village. And I had a really great village mm -hmm. around me my whole childhood. So um, I look at like my mom and I think like, wow, she did that with four kids. Mm -hmm. I could do it with one. Yes. Like I could, I, I'll be able to make it happen. You, you will. Know? There's something to say about that village though. How do you think you'll, do you think you will build a village around your life now or? Yeah. So it's hard because my family is in San Jose. Mm -hmm. My homes that we go between are LA and Nashville. Not close. So I have a lot of friends here, but family, like the ones who will wake up in the middle of the night and come to you because you're having a hard time breastfeeding or whatever, they're all in San Jose, mm -hmm. you know? So it will be interesting. It will be a, a learning process. And I've always been big on community mm -hmm. and I love my friends. I love my family. I'm always like, Hey, come over, everybody come over, come over, come over. Um, our Thanksgivings were always huge because it was like, just bring whoever, everybody come, you know? So I feel like the, the tribe is definitely going to reveal itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it'll show up. Yeah. And, um, I'll just trust the process. Yeah. It's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. The tribe does show up. I, I, I also had single parents, um, from divorce when I was about seven, but, um, my mom did not create a tribe but mm. my dad did oh. and i grew up uh, with a lot of parents mm -hmm. uh, way more than just two lots of parenting from lots of different adults uh, yeah. related and not mm. um and I, bert and i kind of recreated that. I love that it's it's so wonderful because then you get to share 
Mm-hmm. And so many kids and other adults' lives, it's all a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And anything shared is always more fun, yeah. right? Yeah. Audiences in a stand-up is so right. much more fun than watching it on Netflix. Sure. This is a shared experience. Yeah. And it's really special that way. Parenting can be that way, too, if that's what you make it. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of parents get lost in the vacuum of parenting mm. instead of looking out and saying, how do I build this tribe or this mm-hmm. village and let's do it together. Yeah. It's really a special time in your life to be able to find people who are like you, who have your similar value systems, who have kids yeah. your same age that you can experience life with as a group. It's really cool. Yeah. How yeah. do you think this is going to affect your what you talk about on stage? completely yeah i mean i can only talk about my husband for so long you know what i mean like <laughs> i don't know bert's been talking about me a long time for fucking ever to the point where yeah. this last special i was like yeah you don't need to talk about me anymore yeah. i'm good but you know that's probably not gonna leave but right right now now i'll talk about him as a father you know yeah, so yeah. he's still gonna be in my act always and forever but um i always talk about my life i yeah. talk about my experiences and I talk about anything that is relatable and that can connect me to another human. Right. Because I feel like my goal when I'm on stage is obviously to make people laugh, but more so it's to connect with people on a human level. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you do I that feel very well, like, by the way, thank you. You do it very, very well. I watched your special last night thank and you. I just kept thinking, I feel like she's my friend. Aww, like, I mean, I know I you and yes. we, I know you, but, I mean, we don't hang out. You're not right. my friend like that. Right. But I was like, oh, I feel like I, I, she's my friend. That's like my favorite compliment to receive. Oh. Like when I go to on the road and I'm at like a meet and greet and there's somebody that was like, oh my God, if you lived in Tulsa, we would be besties, <laughs> you know, like, yes. and I'm like, I get that. I yeah. mean, that means that you connected with what I was saying totally. and you felt seen with what I was saying, you mm. know? So I love that. Um, but I, I'm very excited to hear what comes out of this experience. And because I always surprise myself every hour that I've done, I once the hour is done, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what what else is there to talk about? What am I going to talk about? And the next, thing you know, all these stories, they just come and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize this simple little thing was going to expand and be what it is like my new hour that um is being edited now is uh a lot there's a good 35 minutes of stuff that happened when my husband and I were living in a studio apartment Mm -hmm. and all these different things from how do you watch tv you know you got to want to want to watch TV at the same time, first yeah. of all. Yeah. Then you got to watch the same thing <laughs> at the same volume preference. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like there's a lot that goes into studio apartment living when you're married. And I went through like all these different things that we experience and, you know, you go on tangents here and there, but it all comes back to us being in this studio apartment. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, like I've been talking about, you know, living in the studio apartment for 35 minutes. In actuality, you would think like, oh, my gosh, they must have lived in that apartment for years. We were there for three weeks. <laughs> Only three weeks. We were there for three Boy, weeks. It made an impression, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I remember I said that one time on stage and then some guy in the front was like, and you got all that. <laughs> and I was hysterical. like, yeah, like I didn't know that 
all of that was in me, right. you know, and was available to talk about and express. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, who knows what I'm going to talk about after I have a baby. Right. And I'm raising a child. Like, I have no idea what my material is going to look like, but I think it's going to be awesome. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah. How long, how long did, when, when did you know you wanted to be a stand up? How did that progression happen? Mm. I mean, were you doing something before this? Did you have a job before? I moved to Hollywood to be an actress mm -hmm. and I thought I was going to be a dramatic actress. Oh. I was going to be a rape victim on Law and Order SBU. You know, dreams. That was my dream. Hashtag goals. And then um, I took a free joke writing class at a church and that's how I started doing stand up because it was like a free class. And one of the first jokes that I wrote was the nail salon joke. Uh-huh. And then it blew up my spot. Yeah. And people wanted me to perform. They'd be like, hey, when are you coming to Ohio, Atlanta, Australia, the Philippines? Like so many people saw this YouTube video that blew up mm -hmm. from the nail salon. And I didn't have the material because all I did was take a free class. Right. I wasn't trying to be a stand up. How crazy is that? I was trying to be an actress. Yeah. And then people were like, come perform, come perform here, here, here. And I was like, oh, I guess I better write some more jokes. And that's how it started. I started wow. writing more material because the demand was there. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll do that. And to me, in the beginning, I was always doing that until my acting career took off. I would be like, no, I'm not really a stand up. I just do it for fun. I'm an actress. Meanwhile, I've done like two things as an actress. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm not really a stand up. Now I'm on my first hour special and I'm like, well, I guess I'm a stand up. <laughs> <laughs> and now here I am. I've been touring for 16 years. I just finished my sixth hour special. Amazing. And I had no idea this was going to be my life. When I left San Jose and I was an Oakland Raiderette, I was a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. Were you really? Yeah. How awesome was that? It was, it was awesome, but it was also like a learning experience. Yeah. I, I learned how to be a public figure. Uh -huh. People wanted a picture with me places. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to smile in photos correctly. I had to learn. And for a long time, my family would make fun of me because I would just be in like regular family photos. And they're like, they're like oh, you're doing your Raiderette smile. Because it's like you, you get used to this very fake, but at least you know what you're going to look like in every photo. Just like, can I get a picture with you? Sure. <laughs> and it's like, you know what your face feels like. And I learned all of this with the Oakland Raiders. And after that, I moved to LA thinking I was going to be an actress mm -hmm. and I still am. I am an actress. Um, but I had no idea that stand up was even an option was even going to be on my radar. I had no clue. And then it ended up being like my main thing, the wow. thing that popped me off, the thing that people know me as people know me as a standup, not as an actress. Right. And I thought it was going to be the other way around. Right. I thought it was going to be, they're going to know me as an actress and then I'll probably do some other things. Yeah. But it's like, no, people are like, oh yeah, I watch your standup. And like, and then sometimes they'll be like, you should do movies. <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah. Do you know anyone? Can you tell them to book me? Yeah, please? right. I would Gee, love. What a great idea. I would love to do movies. It never occurred to me, but wow. <laughs> so then, okay. I love hearing because I think it's helpful for other people to hear how life's trajectory 
takes you, you know, and how you start one path and all of a sudden another path rises to meet you, like what you described. I came mm-hmm. here to be an actress and then I ended up being a stand-up. So how, if you don't mind, yeah. can we back it up and how did you become a Raiderette? Like what was your, was it always somehow to get to acting? Yes. Okay. So that was even, even that was to get to be yes. an actress. Were you acting in high school? How did you get to want to be an actor? So, um, no, I wasn't acting in high school. I was not, I went to a bunch of different high schools because I was not great at school. Uh-huh. I was depressed in mm-hmm. high school. Um, and so school was really hard for me. Why were you depressed? Because it was hard? Mm, I think hormones oh. mm-hmm. and religion. Mm. Um, religion making you feel oppressed or religion making you feel out of place or religion? I loved my religious... Uh, formative years like youth group and stuff like that but there was always this part of me that felt like um i want to get it right oh got it and you have to live by the book right so to speak right right and, right yeah i understand that i so, grew up a southern baptist you get it i get it girl yeah mm-hmm. so there was a lot of that there was you know just like all the feelings, just um, hormones, emotions. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't depressed to where I ever had suicidal thoughts or anything like that. But I read the statistic the other day about suicide being the number one leading cause in death from ages 10 to 30. <sighs> yeah. And that blew my mind. I was like, 10? Yeah. What is happening? Mm-hmm. In these younger ages mm-hmm. that they're like, oh, this is the only way out. Mm-hmm. And then I can go back to my own teenage years and know that it was really hard. Just hormonal, horm- hormonally, like m- my thoughts, my emotions, like it's too much. Mm-hmm. The emotions are too heavy and I don't have the adequate tools to process these emotions, to identify these emotions. Like, how do I just make it stop? Yeah. So I, I get it. Yeah. Although I wasn't suicidal or anything like that I was depressed and it was heavy and it was a lot so I um there was always a little piece of me that would watch the movies and the tv shows and I would be like I could do that Mm. and I could see myself Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how yeah like how do you how do you do that like how did that girl get in that movie yeah you know and I'd be like I could do it if somebody told me how right like, I, I bet you I could. And then one day, um, a friend of mine, she was a friend of a friend who has now become a really great friend of mine. But at the time, I knew her through somebody else. And she moved from San Jose to L.A. And she was in music videos and she was in a Ross commercial. Wowza. And I was like, I know somebody famous. Like, <laughs> hold on. And I confided in her and was like, I would like to do what you're doing uh-huh. one day. And she was like, well, if you ever move out here, I'll help you. I'll help you get started. I'll help show you the ropes. Amazing. So now it became like an actual attainable thing that could happen one day. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was like far-fetched. It was a fantasy. Like the audacity. I have to say something like I want to be an actress. Mm-hmm. Like how dumb. So I wouldn't really tell people because it was dumb. It was like, how embarrassing. 
what am I? I want to be a princess too. You know what I mean? Like that's how far fetched it was. So I confided in her and then she was like, yeah, I'll help you. And so I was like, oh, wait, this is an actual thing. Like I could actually move to L.A. and do this. And um, at the time I was in junior college and fresh out of high school. And I had another friend who I knew since I was eight years old and she had moved. um, She had become uh, an Oakland Raiders cheerleader. And she was like, you should come try out. And I was like, no way. That's not my thing. Not into it. I'm good. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try out for the Oakland Raiders and I'm going to use it as my sign. If I make the squad, I'll do it for one year and then I will move to LA and I will chase my dreams. And if I don't make the squad, I'm going to use that as my sign from God. This is not for you. The entertainment industry, this is not for you, girl. Find a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I told myself. I said, if I, if I don't make the squad, I'm, I'm cutting it out of my life and I'm never going to think about it again. I went to the audition for the Oakland Raiders and there was like 700 girls at this open call audition. All kinds of people there. How many spots? 50. Wow. Now there's only, I think like 30, but at the time there was 50 girls on a squad. There's about 700 girls there. I make it past the first round. Now I'm in the second round. They teach you a dance. You have to perform the dance. I'm not a trained dancer. I did cheerleading growing up, like Pop Warner cheerleading and high school cheerleading. But I wasn't like a trained like jazz, ballet, like that kind of a dancer. Um, So a lot of these moves were very new to me. And I was just like, well, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Like, I'm just going to like sell it with sass and just like hair whips and like facial. Like in Pop Warner cheerleading, we're real good at facials, just like all the like sass and like whatever so I was just like giving it my all and the director at the time of the Raiderettes I remember she she told me at the tryout when she was teaching us all the routines she's like on stage she has her Britney Spears microphone five six seven eight teaching us routine blah 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 and I'm just out in the audience just like yes hair whip I don't know what she said but I'll just do this you know (laughs) and um at one point she comes out into the audience and she was like clearly you have no dance training but you have something that cannot be taught Mm. and that's the best compliment I've ever had in my entire life totally and I, I got I knew exactly what she was saying I was like you're right I don't have dance training but you're also right not everybody has what I have and I'm glad you see that and also, I'm glad you're speaking that into me and I receive that. Yeah, Thank right. You, you know, and I mean, that was I was 19 at the time and I still hold those words so tight. Like, you're right. I may not be trained in all the things when I go to an audition for, you know, Dr. Sanchez or whatever. I may not know all these words. I don't know any of this stuff, but I know that when I come in the room, I come in with me, Mm -hmm. who I am, the light that I exude. Mm -hmm. And I, I trust that. And that's kind of how I lived my life through auditions, through meetings, through, um, 
any opportunity that I've had in my career over the past 20 years that I've been here, whether it be just to be an extra on Friends, which is how I started. I was an extra. Mm-hmm. And I made friends with with the AD, with the assistant director, because I was just funny. And he was funny. So we would just make each other laugh. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to bring you back next week. Okay, cool. Then he brings me back next week. Hey, what's up? Now we have a little thing that we say every time we see each other. Hey, we laugh. Hey, whatever. And I'm just doing me. And I'm not worried about trying to make friends with Jennifer Aniston or any of those people. I'm here to be an extra. I know my role. I'm the bottom of the totem pole. I'm not trying to get discovered and be the star. (laughs) Right. But I do know that I like to laugh. This guy's funny. Let's go chat. And we make each other laugh. And he's like, okay, I'm going to bring you back next week. (laughs) And the next thing you know, I'm an extra on Friends for season nine and ten. Wow. Like he just kept bringing me back. And now that's my regular gig. Right. And I'm learning so much on the set. I'm watching how the actors communicate with the crew, with the director, with the writers. I'm watching how they learn their lines. I'm watching how they rehearse. At the time, this is the number one show on television. And I'm taking free class from the best on TV right now. And this is all coming from me not trying, but just showing up Mm -hmm. for myself, showing up as who I am, embracing that, knowing my strengths and just being me. Mm -hmm. And that's always my advice to people is do you and do you well. Right. Because you're the only you. Yeah. So nobody has your childhood, your trauma. Nobody has your life experiences. Nobody has your victories. Nobody has that time that you won your dance competition. Nobody has that time you were in a car accident in high school. Nobody has that time when you saw your dad beat up your mom or whatever it was. Nobody has all of the things that make you who you are. So when you walk into a room, even though there's 20 other people there, wanting the same thing that you want, the spot that you want, the movie that you want, the the promotion that you want, you show up confident in who you are and what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And you just let God do the rest. Yep. And that's what it is. So just show up for yourself. Do you and do you well. That's it. And be proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be proud of who you are, warts and all. Yeah. And if you're proud of who you are, warts and all, then other people will just embrace. Mm-hmm. And love that, you know, loving yourself is so easy and so hard at the same time. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not something that we're taught Mm -mm. typically is, you know, as you're parented when you grow up, that is not a lot of parents go, you know, you're just the most amazing thing ever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They go, well, you know, you did this wrong and Mm -hmm. this wrong and this wrong. Mm -hmm. So all you absorb is, well, I did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. Mm -hmm. But that learning, you're right. Learning to be who you are, be proud of that and confident in that and show up and say, this is me, take it or leave it. Yeah. You can apply that to relationships, to jobs, to parenting, to everything in life. It's the greatest gift you could ever give yourself is to love yourself. Love yourself and also give yourself permission to grow and evolve. And to change, yeah. Absolutely. That's the only constant life, isn't it? Yeah. Is change. Yeah. You know, the minute you're born, you're dying. So as they say in the South, the minute you're born, you're dying. So you may as well get busy living. Wow. Because we're all dying. So Look at come the on. South, just out I here know, with their cute little sayings. You know, we got them all over the place in the <laughs> South. Well, um, I love what you do as an artist. 
I love that you shared that with me because um, thank you too, because, you know, I think it's important that everybody knows that everybody built themselves. You know, you were depressed in high school. You made choices that brought you here Mm -hmm. and that life isn't lived in a closet or sitting on a couch. It's really lived by mistakes and chances Mm -hmm. and, you know, believing in yourself Mm -hmm. and still screwing it up and then still believing in yourself and going back at it over and over again and being open. You know, I think one of the most powerful things you can do as a young adult is to remain open. Mm. You know, if you rigidly say, oh, I'm only going to be an actress, you would never be here. You have to be willing to have your best life show up. Yeah, not not to say this is my best life is going to be this. Right. I would never have thought I would be married to a comic. I never thought I was going to get married. I didn't think I'd have kids. And I I think I have the best life ever. But this is not the life I had planned. Right. This is the life I I remember praying when I was I'm not super religious, but I definitely believe in God. And I definitely am very connected to my Mm-hmm. spiritual self. And I remember saying, you know, I'm going to stop praying for what I want. I want, I'm going to pray for how I want to feel, mm. right? I want to feel financially secure. Mm. I don't want to worry about money. I want to feel appreciated and loved in my relationship. That's what I want. So I'm not going to say I want to marry a banker or I want to be a this or I want to have a million dollars in the bank. I remember coming up with that idea in my maybe late 20s, 27, 28. I was like, maybe I'm skinning this cat the wrong way. Maybe what I should do is say how I want my life to be, Mm -hmm. not what I want my life to be, but how. I want it to be easy. I want it to be fulfilling. I want to be happy. I I want to feel loved and appreciated. I want to give that to someone else. I want to be of service to people. This is what, how I want to feel. And it just showed up. Wow. And you know, it showed up in a very zigzaggy path, but that's okay. It still showed up. Yeah. That belief is can get you so far. Yeah. Just believing, you know, that you deserve and that it will show up. It will. And it may not look like what you thought. Exactly. Like your path. Exactly. Didn't look Had like. no clue I was going to be here. I know. But here I am. And I'm very happy. And here you go. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see how this changes and doesn't change you at all. Yeah. You know, because it will do both. It will change you and then you will remain very much the same at mm-hmm. the same time. It's really a cool process. So happy for you. Thank you. And excited for you. And I can't wait to see your, when's your special come out? I don't know yet. We're not know. sure. Still working on it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it. Thank so you. When I do know, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Yes, tell so me. You can tell all your listeners yes. where they can find it and when. Okay. Once I know that information, I will tell you. Please. Thank you. So that I can post it and Please, shout it you. at the rooftops yeah. and have Bert do that too. Yeah. Um, it's so nice to spend the day with you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks for you. having me. Of course. <laughs> I can't wait to see your little baby. Me too. We should give together and try